The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, episode number six of the week. It is Thursday, September 26th. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the daily CBS Sports NFL podcast, but we do eight episodes a week. I'm not going to run through every single one because that wastes your time, but you should be listening to all eight of them. Maybe we'll go to nine. Maybe we'll go to 11. Who knows? I know Debo's desperately looking for more shows for this podcast. I kid, I kid. Uh, today's we're going to break down the Eagles at the Packers Thursday night game. Thank God we finally got a good game to join me to do that. My pal, Jared Dubin. Dubes, what's up? Dude, I am so happy that we have like a real interesting football game that we could talk about. Like we had, what did we have? Uh, Jaguars, Titans, Washington and the Bears. And then like, the Monday before that was bad too, right? Am I wrong? I don't remember. Uh, was it, that was Jets Browns, right? Yeah, yeah, that's three bad, bad primetime games in a row. At least uh, Jets Browns, like we thought could have been interesting before the season. It just was like a million guys were injured. Yeah, I mean, if uh, Darnold plays, it's probably more interesting. Uh, before we get to that game though, let's talk about a guy that returned to the Chargers on Thursday, Melvin Gordon. Uh, congratulations, Melvin. You just ended the worst holdout in the history of football <laughs> and, uh, he's returning to the Los Angeles Chargers. To, uh, to play some football in week four. He's not going to play this week. We don't believe, however, because, you know, uh, it's Thursday and he's just showing up now. He called the Chargers on Wednesday night, according to multiple reports and told them that he's coming back. Dubin, does this, I, I, I don't want to undersell the importance of Melvin Gordon, but I feel like you'll, like, when it, when the news broke, it was like, I was getting texts. It's like, we need you on HQ. We fire up right now. We got to break this down. This is urgent breaking news. I'm like, is it urgent breaking news? I mean, is it like it's, and of course it's important. We're talking about at the top of this podcast. Does this change? Does this fundamentally change who the Chargers are and what they do? I don't know that it fundamentally changes who they are and what they do. Uh, I do think that how good Melvin Gordon is has been a little bit undersold just because we've spent so much time talking about how he should not be paid the amount of money that he wants. And that's true, but that doesn't mean he's not a good player or that he's not going to help them. I think we've seen already with Austin Eckler, he's a very good pass catcher. He's an extremely valuable player for them, but we now have a sample size this season and last season when he gets the amount of carries he's been getting, his efficiency drops a lot. He seems to be a guy who's a much better runner when he's used as a change of pace guy, six to eight carries a game in addition to the work that he does in the passing game when he's getting, you know, 15, 18 carries like last year and this year, his efficiency dropped. Now that's been helped by Justin Jackson averaging like eight yards a carry or something this year. But I do think that having Gordon in the mix there will help them just because he's a little, he is a little bit of a better runner than Eckler is. Um, you know, their, their offense, I don't think has been bad in Gordon's absence, but I do think it'll help them just to get guys back in the sort of roles that they quote unquote should be in for them. Um, that said, like, I don't think it was necessarily urgent breaking news 
because we knew he was going to come back at some point. He was never going to sit out the entire season. It was a matter of when he came back, not if. It just happens to be now. And again, he's not even going to play this week. Yeah, he's not going to play week four against the Dolphins. Bodie, stop it. Sorry. My dog is like trying to. I love it. No, 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 it's fine. I can't see your dog, but now we have, uh, Odie Dubin. We have, um. Oh, dude, come on. It's Bodie. Bodie Dubin. Sorry, Bodie. Sorry. I was like, he's, he's trying to like I, paw I knew, at the I, mixer. Uh, I, I, he's gonna like. I even, I knew what your dog's name was. I don't know why I thought it was Odie. Um, and then, uh, I know I've forgotten what D, uh, B-Mac's, uh, dog is named, but Jason Lockenfora has Copper, uh, Lockenfora. And of course you have George Brinson. Uh, the most obnoxious. The, 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 uh, yeah, he's the, he's the, he's the Brinson of the, of the, uh, podcast, the obnoxious, uh, ringleader. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think that this, Sadie McFadden? What was it? We'll try to remember what it was. Um, I think this is good for the charge. I mean, it's obviously good for the charges. You have more depth at running back. You win the holdout. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, why did he bother holding out? I mean, just to get less carries this year, just to make a phil- philosophical stand. Um, he, I, to me, he's better off coming in week one, putting up a huge season and then going out and getting paid in free agency. I thought it was interesting that, um, when Adam Schefter tweeted about this, about the Melvin Gordon returning from his holdout, uh, he wrote that, uh, Gordon will st- still, will, Gordon still can earn, it's just a typer there, 4.615 million of base salary for the rest of the season. He will be a free agent with plans to move on. Uh, not so fast, my friend. I don't know if you've heard of this, the franchise tag, unless the Chargers agreed not to tag him. And maybe they did, or maybe they don't want to tag him and they don't want to deal with the holdout next year and the hold of their cap space in the offseason. Um, but yeah, he's probably going to get fined 1.3 million. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Chargers actually hold him to the fines because he didn't show up and he's not going to sign a long-term deal. Um, and, uh, and it just, it just seems to me like he would have been better served coming in at the start of the season. At least, I mean, is this just about like saving his body? I mean, what, what was the point here? So to me, I feel like if he was going to hold out at all, he probably should have just held out through week 10 to minimize the amount of wear and tear on his body and still get the accrued year uh, before free agency. I think some of what motivated him to come back was the, the, the deluge of talk about how like they don't need him and Austin Eckler is better than him and things mm-hmm. like that because mm-hmm. of the way that Eckler started the season. Um, I do think that part of what motivated the holdout was, like you said, to minimize the amount of wear and tear on his body. I think part of it was, you know, and he openly admitted it, that part of it was to make a philosophical stand about the value of running backs. Um, he's talked about like Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and Zeke Elliott being in sort of the same, you know, continuum as him. And I don't, I don't think he's as good as any of those guys, but he does sort of view himself as being in that, that line of running backs. So I think part of it was motivated by that. Um, if it were me and he was going to come back before week 10, he probably should have come back last Thursday so that his first game would be against the atrocious Dolphins mm. who are giving up like 250 rushing yards a game. Like get Justin Jackson in your fantasy lineups this week because they've allowed 400 yard rushers in three games. Yeah. I mean, the guy, like everybody's starting Eckler. I am, I'm telling you. I'm playing Justin Jackson in DFS. I'm starting him in every lineup where I got him because it's the last chance you get to use him and backup running backs put up numbers against the Dolphins. And I think that they will, I think the Chargers, if they get a lead, knowing that Gordon is coming back, will feed Justin Jackson and will keep Eckler sort of on the sidelines. Cause to me, with this offense moving forward, Eckler is still going to be a big part of it. As you pointed out, he's very effective, um, in the touches. The thing where I think that, that they win the biggest, the Chargers is at the goal line. 
because we've seen Eckler fumble once at the one in the preseason, and then he fumbled once on the one against the Lions, and they lost that game by three points. If he doesn't fumble there on the one, the Chargers probably win that game. And uh, if that happens, they're two and one, and I don't know. It just seems weird. I don't know. The whole thing is bizarre. But I'm happy. For, I like Melvin Gordon as a human being, so I am happy that he's going to come back and do what he loves to play football. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I just. It doesn't. It, it is weird the juxtaposition of Gordon coming back versus Zeke Elliott coming back, right? Like Zeke was like sirens, everybody freak out, and Gordon is like, all right, he's coming back, but yeah, it's Melvin Gordon, whatever. Well, I would say a Zeke is a lot better, yeah. and b we already knew based on last year and a little bit the year before that the Chargers could get by with Eckler and Jackson in Gordon's place, and while Tony Pollard was incredible in the preseason and got like unbelievable reports coming out of Cowboys camp, there was still a big question as to what that offense would look like without him. Um, so I, I do think it is a little bit different. Plus Zeke signed like three days before the season, whereas Gordon signing on the Thursday before a game against the worst team some of us have ever seen. And he's also not going to play this week. Yeah, that, no, that's a good point. It's like we were in heightened, like football is starting mode. And so people freaked out over, uh, over that. Um, would you franchise tag him next off season? If nope. You're- Ooh. Not worth the hassle. Not worth the hassle. He's probably going to end up holding out. I don't really see anybody trading what you would need to get in exchange for him. Like if they were going to do that, they would have done it this year so that they would have the ability to franchise tag him next year uh, as opposed to the Chargers being able to do so. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will break down everything about the Eagles and Packers game on Thursday night. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so Thursday night football, it's an exciting game. Packers, the undefeated Green Bay Packers, 3-0, and hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, 1-2. and Kind of a desperate Eagles team, considering how good the Cowboys have looked and the fact that they have Daniel Dimes in their life now. Um, Packers minus four, over under 46.5. Should the Eagles be desperate for this win, Jared? 
I wouldn't say that they're done if they lose the game, but certainly I think it's important. Um, you know, the, they're two games behind the Cowboys already. Granted, they do have two games against them left, so it's, you know, a little bit easier to come back than if they had played already. But, I mean, Dallas looks really good. I think the Eagles, I came into the season thinking the Eagles had the better overall roster, and I picked them to win the division, though I did have both of them going to the playoffs. Um, but a lot of what made the Eagles really good is their depth. And we've seen injuries it's, sort of it's being challenged. Yeah. I mean, especially on the defensive line, like they, they had like 10 quality defensive linemen coming into the year. And, you know, Malik Jackson is out for the year uh, and they lost Tim Jernigan last week, too, or sorry, the week before, too. And that's, you know, two really valuable guys up the up the middle for them. And the loss of both sort of pushes guys into Larger than expected roles. It pushes Brandon Graham inside a little bit more than maybe you might like to use him. That's sort of something that you might go to on passing downs to get your pe- best pass rushers all on the field at the same time. I think he's going to have to be inside a little bit more. Um, and then you look at their receiver depth. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's been out for the last couple weeks. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey out for the last couple weeks. Um, you know, and they're, I mean, Nelson Aguilar is a fine slot receiver but he's not the guy that you want to run your offense through so it's i think it's been challenging for them so far i mean they had jason peters and andre dillard both get hurt i think during last week's game too um so again i don't think that they're by any means done i still think they're a very good team i still think they're probably going to make the playoffs but if they go to one and three that's a big hole you have to dig yourselves out of it is by the way the eagles are four and oh on thursday night football uh, under uh, Doug Peterson, this is via Tim McManus of ESPN, since 2016, obviously. That's the most wins without a loss on Thursday Night Football by any team during that span. And Philly was an underdog in three of those four games. Yikes, that's kind of scary. That's uh, interesting. Who did they play yeah. in those games? I, you know what? I'll look that up while I, while I move to the next point. With that Packers, <laughs> with that Eagles defense, um, what – how – okay, how good do you think the Packers offense is relative to the defenses that they have played. Cause I, I, to me, they've played like three of the 10 best defenses in the league so far. And we might not know, like, do you think this is a Aaron Rodgers isn't adjusting the Matt LaFleur? Is it a, they, they played some tough defenses thing and, and Philly might be in for trouble here. Like what, what do you think? What do you think happens when Green Bay has the ball here? So I think it's a combination of a few things. I think Rodgers has not necessarily looked as comfortable as you'd want him to look yet. I think they have played good defenses so far. And I think that their their run blocking has just been not very good, especially for a team that's been so good uh, blocking uh, passing-wise. They rank first in uh, ESPN's pass block win rate mes- metric so far. That means they have, obviously, the best pass blocking in the league so far this season. And I don't think the run defense uh, – sorry, the run blocking – has been quite as good. I don't think you'll see them uh, have much rushing success tonight either. The Eagles have been like arguably the best run defense in football so far. They're second in the league in um, in football outsiders adjusted line yards per carry. Um, they're second in the percentage of opponent runs stopped behind the line of scrimmage. They're second in second level yards around, allowed per carry. And neither Aaron Jones, who's at 3.8 yards a carry, nor Jamal Williams, who's at 3.3 yards a carry, has really gotten anything going uh, on the ground so far. So to me, the, the run game is probably not going to be the way that they find success tonight. But mm. uh, the passing game, um, the Eagles have been kind of torched through the air so far this season. I mean, Case Keenum tore them up in week one. Dak Prescott tore them up. Or, yeah, or, sorry, not Dak Prescott. Um, who did they play in week two? 
Uh, they were torn up by the, uh, the, the Falcons. The Falcons, right. The Falcons. And they could have been, they could have been torn up even worse, except Matt Ryan had that terrible interception of the yeah. underthrow to Julio Jones from his own end zone. And then last week, uh, who, who was it? Marvin Jones kind of tore them up last week. Yep, so, um, and that, I, could, I, and that could have been worse too. Stafford didn't have to throw a whole lot in that game because four of those drives against the Eagles started uh, at midfield or or closer because the Eagles were turning the ball over at an alarmingly high rate. Um, and like they didn't, Kenny Galladay only played eighty percent of the snaps because the the Lions were running the ball a ton. I mean, it was this is not a it was not a game that was like you know a shootout where Stafford had to had to light it up. And if he had to, I think they would have really gone up top on him. Oh yeah, I mean I agree. And also like look at their corners. So so far this season Ronald Darby is giving up a 110.2 passer rating. Avante Maddox 120.2. Rasul Douglas 121.1. Andrew Sendejo at safety is getting torn up. He's at like a 150 passer rating or something like that. And if you look at um their game since the start of Last season, these are some of the lines that they've given up to opposing receivers. Amari Cooper, 10 catches, 217 yards, and three touchdowns. Mike Thomas, 12 catches, 171 yards, and a touchdown. And in another game, four catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Julio Jones, 10 catches for 169 yards. Julio Jones, five catches, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. Corey Davis, nine catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Allen Robinson, 10 catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, seven catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, 10 catches for 91 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, nine catches for 104 yards. Mike Evans, 10 catches for 100, for 83 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Terry McLaurin, five catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. And then Marvin Jones went off on them last week. I mean, in in 13 games against those guys, they're giving up an average of 8.4 catches for 135 yards and a touchdown per game. So basically what I'm saying is, if you've been waiting for the Devontae Adams breakout, it's going to come tonight. If you trade Devontae Adams in your fantasy league today, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. He's going to go off, and Aaron Rodgers is going to go off. I've been waiting for this for three weeks for Aaron Rodgers to go off. By the way, there's four Thursday night games. Um, of, of course, as we know, the uh, the Super Bowl defense game, 18 to 12, against the Atlanta Falcons. They were uh, the Eagles were favored by one point in that game. There was the 2018 game against the Eagles against the the Giants when they stomped the Giants 34 to 13. Uh, the Eagles, were, I think, were uh, just barely like a one and a half point favorite in that game. That game wasn't close. Um, they also played the Panthers on that Thursday night, the year they won the Super Bowl, uh, and Carson Wentz was outstanding. The defense was incredible. They won 28 to 23. Carson went 16 to 30 for three touchdowns. And then who can forget? The epic 24-19 victory over, uh, Ben McAdoo and the New York Giants in 2016 when they, when the Giants let Eli Manning throw the ball 63 times. That mm. seems, um, Ill-advised. not ideal. Yeah. Not ideal. Yeah. I think that the Eagles were, uh, dogs and no, the Eagles were favored in that game too. Okay. So anyway, those are the games. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that, uh, this is a, this is a get right week for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I'll be curious to see how, like, do you think that Matt LaFleur will be willing to not establish the run? I mean, is he is he gonna is he gonna try and establish a run or is he just gonna say, you know what, F it, like let's go out here and let Aaron Rodgers throw. Let's change our game plan. The Eagles and Jim Schwartz are gonna aggressively stack the box and fire blitzers at us to try and keep, you know, to keep us from from running the ball. Let's just come out throwing early and often and maybe run some play action without even running the ball. Like do you think he'll do that? I don't think he's gonna be 
willing to not try to establish the run. I mean, look at what he did in Tennessee last year. They were one of the teams with the highest, you know, run rate on early downs. Uh, he's been the same way this year. I think he's, he's just an established the run type of guy and bases a lot of the, the way he calls plays off of that. You know, Rogers' play action rate is up this season from where it was a year ago. I mean, granted, it could hardly have been lower. It was only 20.1% of his passes last season, but it's only up to 26.5% this year. I feel like that needs to get, you know, look at teams that are having a lot of offensive success this year, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the the Ravens. They're all up in the 30s and 40s in terms of the rate that they're using play action on their passes. The uh, the Packers should be up in, in that range, too, especially given, you know, first of all, how good Rogers is at actual faking the run and then you know what he looks like when you get him out on the perimeter rolling away from pass rushers i feel like it would be a good idea for them to boost that up there um i do think that they're going to try to run the ball still though that's just what he likes to do mm. uh, all right how about when uh the old uh the old eagles had the football they are pretty banged up seems like they're going to have all Sean Jeffrey for this game. Nelson Aguilar will be there. Uh, Zach Ertz should be good to go, but Deshaun Jackson unlikely to play. Um, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. So Thursday at, at 11:25. So, um, I don't, I don't, they haven't, obviously they haven't made, uh, the, yeah, the inactives aren't out yet. Yeah. I mean, obviously the inactives aren't out yet. I was just trying to make sure that, um, that all Sean is still questionable. Corey Clement is questionable. Um, Ronald, Dar- Oh, Ronald Darby is out for this game. Hello. Timmy Jernigan out for this game. Um, looks like Derek Barnett should play. Dallas Goddard had full practice on Wednesday. Alshon Jeffrey full practice on Wednesday. Um, JJ Arcega Whiteside full practice on Wednesday. But I mean, this is a Eagles team that is banged up in a bad way. Uh, the only guy that's out for the Packers already, um, Two guys, Montrevious Adams on the defensive line and Oren Burks at linebacker. Those are only two guys. And Doug Peterson, as Debo notes, has said that, uh, has said that he thinks Alshon will play. So do the, do the Eagles have enough weapons to attack what has been a revel, uh, like a revelationary, uh, Packers? Revelatory? Defense? Revelatory? <laughs> Is it yeah. re- You can't do revelationary, can you? Is that no, right? it's, I'm pretty sure it's revelatory, but I could be <laughs> wrong. Like I could very easily be wrong. Revolutionary? <laughs> Um, what did I say? Revelation, revelationary? Revelationary? I don't it's know. Gonna work. People are gonna, this is good radio though. Um, I think that the Eagles are kind of in a little bit of trouble in this particular matchup. Um, Alshon sounds like he's gonna play, but he's presumably gonna get shadow coverage from Jair, Jair Alexander, who just looks like unbelievable so far. Like he's been completely dominant and I've seen like so many gifs already online about you know his his coverage just completely enveloping guys he's been targeted 21 times this year he's only given up nine catches for 106 yards that's five yards an attempt uh 58.8 passer rating he's knocked down six passes already he's forced a fumble he's recovered a fumble i mean i don't really expect a banged up alshon to do a whole lot of damage against him and then you look on the other side i mean kevin king is playing really well uh on the outside to uh, Adrian Amos, the safety they signed away from the Bears looks great. Um, Darnell Savage, who they traded up for, is like unbelievable right now. The basically the only leak, the only weak link in that secondary is Tremont Williams, and that makes sense because he's like super old. But if the weak link is Tremont Williams, that means you're going to be running a lot of your offense through Nelson Aguilar, and you know he does seem to have Carson Wentz's trust, but. He also has four drops and a fumble in the past two weeks, and mm. 
you don't want to run your offense through short yardage throws to Aguilar rather than deep ones to, to Alshon or Zach Ertz or if he was healthy, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I just don't. The whole thing about the line movement, it's, it got up to five. It's come back down to four. Apparently everybody's, the, the smart people are, are hammering the, the Eagles here. Maybe even the Eagles money line. I, the Doug Peterson preparation thing concerns me. The, the running the ball, uh, for the Packers thing concerns me. I just can't get over the mismatch on offense and defense here though. Like I, Carson Wentz is having to pull rabbits out of his, out of his hat or his butt, whatever. And, by the way, he almost did the last couple of weeks. Like he's. Yeah. Two drops away from having led comeback drives in back-to-back weeks and them being three and zero. And it feels like, and I, this is just me saying this anecdotally, but I'll, I mean, I'll look it up in just a second. The, it feels like their third down conversions the last two weeks, or last, in fact, all season. And this is sort of a Carson Wentz staple, right? Is like, all, I mean, yeah, they're seven of thirteen last week against Detroit. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's a that's a really high number uh, against Atlanta. They were uh, 9 of 18 on third down, also an extremely high number. And against Washington on third down, they were 11 of 17. I mean, is that sustainable? Is this – is this because it doesn't feel that way. I mean, to hit like 60% of your third downs, and, it, and most of them dudes aren't even like Doug Peterson's dialing up a great play and Zach Ertz is moving the chain. It's like Carson Wentz is under pressure and just making plays and willing the ball across in third down. I mean, is that something we should look at as a regression spot or is that just the Eagles are just good at third down? I would say probably both. Like okay. I would think the Eagles are good at third downs, but they're not going to keep converting, you know, 50 plus or 60 plus percent of their third downs. Um, I think they'll be one of the better third down teams in the league just because Peterson is a good play caller. They have a good offensive line. Wentz has shown in his career an ability to convert on third downs. They have Zach Ertz over the middle and Alshon when he's healthy and then Deshaun stretching the defense and they can still hit Aguilar underneath. Like they're a team that's set up well to convert on third downs, but it's also like nobody converts over 50% of their third downs. That just doesn't happen. Um, I, I think like I agree with you. I think if the Eagles were – if the Eagles were fully healthy, I think I would probably lean their way in this game because I think mm. the Packers have been good so far, but I do think they're a little bit like I don't think they've been three and zero good. If that makes sense, um, yeah, sure. Like I don't see them as having played as well as you know the Chiefs and the Patriots and the Cowboys, for example. Um, I think they're a good team. I think the Eagles are also a good team, and I think this is probably a matchup of. Two, two and one ish teams rather than a three and oh and a one and two team. But the Eagles to me are just too banged up right now to really beat this team. Um, really quickly look this up on PFR because I'm awesome. Uh, the Eagles have had 49 third downs so far this season. They are, compl- they are converting uh, 56.3 of them. 18 of them are from 7 to 10 yards, and they're converting 37% of them, which is ridiculous. Uh, 12 of them are from 4 to 6 yards. They're converting uh, 25%. And then six of those are from 11-plus yards. They're completing converting 12% of them. So, I mean, like, that's that's a really high percentage of third and long or third and more. You know, I mean, third and – Third and third and long, you're converting 37 percent from seven to ten yards. That's that's a pretty outrageous number. I just, I it just feels like regression. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think if um I think if they had everybody, I, I would I would lean the Eagles because the Packers, the, you know, they beat up on the the Broncos. I get it. Um, but they man, they stunk in the second half against the Vikings. They couldn't do anything on offense, and it just doesn't feel like this is a uh 
Like if I knew this offense was going to explode and take off, it would be different, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's probably true. And just to, to hammer home your third down point a little bit more, um, what, what do you say they were? 56% conversions on third down? 54%? What was the number? 56.3, second only behind uh, Dallas at 58.1. Yeah, so the the Dallas number is coming down too. The The Colts last year were the best third down team in the league, converting 486 percent of their third downs the the eagles and the cowboys by the way were both very good teams in the top third of the league the eagles were at 41 percent the cowboys were at 41.4 percent those are much more manageable and realistic numbers i don't think the eagles are going to continue converting 56 percent but again i still think they're going to be good they i believe they were the best third down team in the league the year before when wentz was uh you know on his way to potentially winning mvp before he got hurt um, I think they were in the, the higher 40s that year. And I think, you know, somewhere in the, the 40 to 45% range in terms of their third down conversions is probably where they'll end up settling. So again, I think they're, they're going to convert a bunch of third downs. That's not something that is, uh, not going to happen for them. But, um, I don't think that where they're at right now is, uh, all that sustainable. Fun fact. By the way, follow, uh, the, the fun fact account. Who was the, the fun <laughs> fact? Uh, it's like fun, Sean, Sean Wagner McGuff fun fact. Um, anyway, he's going to tweet out the fun facts. Tweet this one out if you listen to it. Fun fact of the six teams currently converting through three games, more than 50% of their, uh, of their third downs. Four of them are either coached by Andy Reid or Andy Reid disciples. Philadelphia, two at 56.3. Doug Peterson, his old quarterback, his old offensive coordinator. Kansas City, 54.6. Uh, obviously coached by Andy Reid. Frank Wright of Indianapolis, 54.3. And then number six, uh, John Harbaugh at, uh, at 50% even. And then the Raiders are actually seventh. By the way, the Dolphins, if you want to know, 20%. That's terrible. The Dolphins, I'm going to go out there and say it. Like this is, this might be a hot take and, you know, people can, can yell at me if they want. They're not Dolphins good. are bad. Dolphins yeah, they're, not, they're not good at football. Who do you think covers between the Dolphins and the Chargers? I just can't take the Dolphins at anything with less than 21 points, I don't think. What's the spread in that game? Six, I mean, it's, 16 and a half. I, mean, it's, I don't think it's high enough that you could, like, I don't know that there is a number high enough that you could convince me to take the Dolphins right now. Like, even last week, it looked like they may possibly cover against the Cowboys, and then they gave up a, the easiest touchdown run that Tony Pollard will probably ever have in his career. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, at Sean J. Wagner Pod is the, uh, the Twitter account. I told him to stop tweeting his own fun facts. I just want the fun but, facts from the bot. By the way, uh, an interesting note about those teams with the uh, 50 plus percent conversion rates. Uh, all six of them have what you would describe as extremely mobile quarterbacks. Ooh. Cowboys with Dak Prescott, Eagles with Carson Wentz, Chiefs with Pat Mahomes, Colts with Jacoby Brissett, Ravens with Lamar Jackson, and Texans with Deshaun Watson. That's a great point. Uh, mobile quarterbacks help convert third downs. All right, who do you think covers this game? We got a uh, eagle. Actually, first let's do the props because um, people might like it better than this. I love. I don't know if this is. Uh, I don't know if we include if Debo included this on here or not. Um, they didn't, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. You can find Aaron Rodgers over under t- passing touchdowns either at 1.5 or two. I love the over in that spot. Yeah, I'm there too. And whatever the Devonte Adams one that Debo sent us was, I'm taking the over on that too. Uh, Devonte Adams over under 81 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go back, rewind 10 minutes or so and l- listen to the numbers <laughs> all those receivers put up against the Eagles over the last year or so. Yeah. And the, um, I also did a, uh, a segment on HQ where I pointed out that, um, 
I think it's like Aaron Rodgers is like minus one fifty to, or maybe it's no, it's will Devonte Adams score a touchdown? I thought that I think that one is a good one too. Uh, you could get that at let's see what was it? Maroon sent it to me. Sorry. Um, Oh no, uh, Rogers over one and a half touchdowns is like minus one fifty, but I would pay that because two gives you a win. I would take the I would take the over on two. You hope he gets three. Two's a push. Um, apparently now it's up to minus one ninety. So there's props moving quickly on game day. Devontae Adams, yes or no to score a touchdown? Yes is plus one hundred five. Pepper that bad boy. Pepper it, people. Uh, what about Nelson Aguilar over under receiving yards forty six and a half? I like the over there. I think it's going to be a lot of Aguilar in this game. Um, again, I fully expect Alshon to get the shadow coverage from Jair Alexander, who has just been unbelievably good so yeah. far this season. And tr- again, Tremont Williams is you know, just not a very good corner in the slot. Wentz trusts Aguilar, even though he does have those drop issues the past couple of weeks. I think he's going to see a pretty high target volume. And I think as long as he gets more than like five targets, 40, whatever it is you said, yards is just not that high. Um, I know he only got to 50 or so yards last week, but at least, you know, with um, with Alshon out there, there should be a little bit more attention drawn away from him. And um, I just think that this off- this defense tends to funnel things to the slot because their outside corners are so good and because their pass rush has been so good, so you're going to have to check down a little bit more. I think it's a really good spot for, for Aguilar, at least, to find a decent amount of success. All right. Uh, what, what's your final pick for the game, dudes? Uh, over under 46 and a half. Or just give us a score and we'll discern your your belief through your non-spread paying attention. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I did not know what the over-under or the spread was before I picked this game as per You usual. don't even look at – you don't even look at all? I always know I make picks because just because like if before I do like a, a total score, I like to see what the over-under is and what Vegas thinks it will be. Uh, no, I didn't. But once again, this is I think the third time in a row I wound up right around it. Uh, I wound up going Packers 26, Eagles 20. Packers 26, Eagles 20. All right, so Packers and uh, the <laughs> under, I guess, if it's 46 and a half, all over it. Maybe stay clear of that. Um, I, I don't mind the over. It's moved up It's moved up a little bit, but I, I think I think we could see some scoring in this game. But, again, like it depends on what Matt LaFleur does. If he tries to establish the run or if he if – he, if he, puckers up in the second half if they got a lead which they did against against uh against minnesota maybe you could certainly stay under but I, I i agree with you i like the packers in this spot all right dudes follow that uh ja dubin five read him on cbssports.com and we'll uh talk to you on monday buddy but no we won't talk on monday we'll no nope, yeah we're not gonna be here uh, we're both gonna be off on monday we'll have somebody else previewing it probably breach and ryan wilson we'll talk on th- next thursday buddy can i just make a suggestion to matt lafleur yeah do whatever you want establish the pass Establish a pass. Win, pass to pass the lead, run to win, Matt. Exactly. Yes. Hi, right, buddy.